0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're about to get into a conversation about the future of planet Earth. And you might like to join in our conversation. Very shortly, we'll open our talkback lines. You'll also find a question you can respond to on our Facebook page today. But many Christian believers and students of the Bible have been monitoring very carefully the developments that are going on around the world. And it's not hard to see the biblical alignments. In fact, there's lots of conversations you'll hear on this program that are about those sorts of alignments. Many of those developments are effectively previewed in biblical prophecy. And many of the monumental changes bring a focus on a coming world government and a time of great tribulation. Those sorts of things are very much clear in the Bible. Lots of Christian believers expect there will be a rapture before the worst of those things that happen in a tribulation. But our conversation today is taking just a slightly different angle than a typical type of conversation about end times. A different angle to what we might usually talk about regarding the last things. We're going to be talking today about how Global Chaos is a Necessary Precursor to the Coming of the Millennial Kingdom. Our special guest through this next hour is author Harry M. Phillips. He's written a book about what happens to the people on earth that survive the global chaos of the end times and what happens to Christians in the next stage into eternity. His book is called When the Kingdom Comes, From Global Chaos to Eden. Now, Harry M. Phillips says he wrote the book to help people understand the monumental changes in the world today and to see that they are precursors to the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. He hopes to show how Christians from all of history will take their place together in the coming millennial kingdom with the return of Jesus. Harry M. Phillips is a 50 year Bible enthusiast who's best known in his hometown as Hot Rod Harry. And his hometown is Amherst, Ohio, near Lake Erie, if you know your geography of the United States. But, Harry M. Phillips, a special welcome along to 2020.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Neil.
0: Harry, let me ask you about Hot Rod. Harry, before we get into the serious stuff, uh, you're an automotive designer, a street rod manufacturer. (laughs) Tell us about your day job.
1: Oh, I tell you, my day job is... uh, My wife's been wondering when I'll get a real job. I have the pleasure and joy... Uh, for the past almost 40 years of working on custom cars, designing and building street rods, hot rods, uh, doing restoration work on vintage cars, and uh, hand-making uh, unique aluminum bodied uh, specialty race cars, uh, just anything you can think of uh, with an engine and four wheels and uh, sometimes two wheels, uh, that's me, that's what I do, and uh, I have uh, uh, quite, a, quite a good uh, business and a nice clientele. That that uh, love what I do and uh, I love my customers. Wow. An automotive designer,
0: a street rod enthusiast, and some people will say, what's the connection here to Bible study? But you have been intrigued by the Bible for a long, long time. And you think of uh, the idea of solving puzzles and finding clues that help you solve it. No doubt that's a part of automotive design, as much as it might be a part of piecing together what Bible prophecy might let us in on towards uh, things that are to come. What are your thoughts on puzzles?
1: Well, I can remember at a very young age uh, getting these fun little wooden puzzles that you had to find the interlocking key to open them up and uh, take them apart. And then, of course, the next puzzle was how to put it back together. Um, but I was fascinated by the challenge of it, just, just the challenge of, of being smart enough to figure this stuff out. And, of course, that lends itself into automotive work, being smart enough to figure out how to build a car, how to design a suspension, how to uh, uh, make a car do what I want it to do, uh, performance or uh, luxury or whatever uh, my customer wants. But in the world of the scripture, um, this, is, uh, this is really something to take this marvelous book that God has given us uh, to look at it and go, okay, now what does all this mean? And uh, you don't figure it out in a day. In fact, the scriptures say, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little is wisdom gained, And it takes a desire. And out of that desire, God will pour into your cup. And uh, over 50 years, I have had a deep desire to want to put these pieces together and figure this stuff out.
0: Well I must say your book is easy to read and you do put things together like a puzzle uh, coming together to talk about the things that we're going to talk about over this next hour. You are Bible college trained as well and you've been this enthusiast for issues around especially the end times uh, through this whole 50 years. How do you think of the changes that are going on in the world today? Uh, are they the precursors that we might read about in the Bible, uh, according to uh, you know the book of Revelation and uh, Daniel and uh, those Bible books that talk about end times?
1: Well, I'd have to tell you this, Neil, uh, when I first came to Christ uh, in 1970 in the middle of the Jesus movement, and uh, then I linked on pretty quick to a book that was uh, getting talked about an awful lot in those days, which was The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. And as I read that book and came face to face with the idea of the return of Jesus Christ at the rapture, uh, I began to look around at the things that were written in the book back then, and uh, uh, to my co-workers and to anybody around me, I would start telling them that Jesus is coming back, and that yeah, probably within five years, and I would start citing all the terrible things that were happening in the 70s that I thought were leading up to the end times. Now, i got to tell you something that was 50 some years ago and as i look around today my jaw is just on the ground i'm 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 aghast i'm aghast at the things that i see now that are in place that weren't there before, the technology of, uh, of the computer, the uh, the power that we have in the computer, the AI that we have, and uh, the, uh, the companies that are tracking our every move, listening in on our phones and uh, connecting so much of our lives and bringing it under uh, a control uh, that we don't even begin to see. This was not around 50 years ago. Back then, I was convinced Jesus was coming soon. Now, I know he's he's around the corner. I mean, this is this is for sure um an unbelievable world. i I would not have thought I would live to see the things that we're seeing today. i'm I'm aghast. okay. Well, let's clear the decks on
0: some of the things we would ordinarily talk about in an end times conversation. Things like the rapture of Christians, uh, things like a great tribulation and seven years in length because we want to get to some things here uh, that will go beyond the tribulation and into a millennium. Now get your thoughts here and you might like to just clear the air on some things because there are some people who think that there'll be no rapture. There'll be some people who say There'll be no tribulation. There are some people who say, well, there's uh, pre-millennial, post-millennial, and uh, there's even uh, a millennial. There's no such thing as a millennium. So, you know, let's see if we can tackle this quickly. I know it's not going to be easy, but in a nutshell, what are you seeing as those things that are coming that you're seeing
1: warming up right now on planet Earth? Well, probably the uh, the biggest thing to me is uh, a tremendous rebellion that we're seeing globally among the human race. Um, we're seeing uh, a rebellion against uh, the things of God. Now, God has sown into the human race things that are good for humanity, and they provide a tranquility in society. There are things like family. There are things like marriage. Marriage is not a Christian institution, although Christians can probably do it better than most. But Christ- uh, marriage is a—it's—it's uh, it's a social institution God gave humanity for uh, to, to raise children. Um, we have the institutions of authority authority, whether they're teacher's authority, whether it's uh, um, uh, police authority, uh, these things are sewn into uh, the human race, right and wrong, um, uh, morality, uh, lying, uh, telling the truth. uh, All of these things are good for humanity. God has made a plan for humanity, and out of this tranquility, society has the freedom to perpetuate the gospel from generation to generation. So what we see today is a tremendous rebellion against all these things even the natural things that God has sown into this world um, there we're throwing off the family uh, we're disintegrating it we're throwing off uh, um, uh, the uh, the authority of, 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 uh, of a husband uh, you know the you know the the uh, usurping of authority uh, by women not not that women shouldn't be treated fairly and, and equally and considered uh, in, in marriage and uh, but we're, we're seeing a throwing off of uh, police authority. We're seeing the rejection of a teacher's authority. We're seeing a, a disrespect for uh, a private property. We're seeing such a breakdown. We're seeing uh, a gender breakdown. We're seeing uh, uh, just, just a tremendous breakdown of rebellion, like we are not going to have it God's way. This seems to be the cry of the world. And um, uh, that's on one level. Then on another level, we have a tremendous macroeconomics that is now uh, coming to light uh, of uh, tremendous power at the top by corporations and uh, central banks uh, that have a stranglehold on this world and on some governments and uh, uh, this, this effort to, to control uh, world economics and so, to bring it uh, to a central point. So, you've got this rise of uh, an economic challenge,
0: as you say, a macroeconomic crisis perhaps coming uh, but the idea of a rising authoritarian elite and uh, for Christians over this 50 years you've been talking about the idea of a one world government has been a part of a a Christian narrative of how things come in the end times Uh, your thoughts for what we're seeing right now so far as this rising authoritarianism
1: uh... yeah it's sort of coming up behind the scenes i know some people look at the uh... world economic forum some people are looking at klaus schwab and say okay he's outlining an agenda for the great reset of the world uh... but you have a fascination by uh... some corporations with some of this in the name of uh... let's let's go green on everything let's change uh... uh all our vehicles over to electricity let's get rid of uh... oil and gas let's uh... uh you know, let's go all these different directions, and then uh, we have um, uh, just um, yeah, just such a strange uh, conglomeration of things, and we have governments that are starting to buy into, uh, oh, well, this might be a good idea for the world, and this is, uh, you know, we've ruined our planet, and, and now we've got to uh, spend these trillions of dollars to fix it. But I think uh, every time you change a law or implement something new, it's usually an occasion for politicians to sneak in the back door other controls and other government things that are not good for the people. And I feel, in the end, that our government has lost its uh, its way, and um, politicians uh, are, are not—they—they uh, uh, they aren't like they used to be, fifty or sixty or eighty years ago, uh, uh, that would go to uh, uh, to government uh, with noble intentions of uh, uh, taking care of, uh, of of the countries that they represent and doing the best for their people. Now it just seems it's uh, doing the best for themselves and how to bring about a, a global elite control over the population, and uh, this is what I see. It's pretty
0: pretty clear. And uh, biblical alignment's in there, and I want to fast forward a little here now, because to get to the heart of what we want to discuss today, because the idea of a seven-year tribulation, and tribulation, uh, what it says, very, very hard times. The idea that there'll be Christians on the face of the earth who'll be Uh, taken away in what we know as a rapture. And then there are those people who remain on the earth and go through that tribulation time. You're talking in your book about Jesus and a millennial reign. In other words, a 1,000-year literal, physical kingdom on earth ruled by Christ. You say the Bible teaches that there is more teaching about the millennium than there is about heaven. So give us some insights here, Harry, as we get into the essence of this conversation today. Let's talk about the millennium. What are your thoughts here?
1: Well, let's uh, let's open up uh, a little bit of a precursor uh, when we talk about the tribulation. Uh, you know, we th- you, you're right. We see a time of great trouble, great trial. But if you boil down the tribulation and the the rapture, as far as okay, what is the purpose of all this? And then it becomes a, a, a springboard to understand uh, more fully the the millennial kingdom so what we have at the rapture is we have basically um, uh, some scriptures that point to the fact that uh... all the believers will be taken off the earth so for the first time in probably all of history the earth will be inhabited by only unbelievers. Now, that's not going to last very long um, because of the evangelistic work of 144,000, not to mention the shock to some people who have sat on the fence and all of a sudden wake up and realize loved ones or friends or uh, relatives are gone and and they missed the boat, and uh, there may be a surge come to Christ right after the rapture. But what we have is we have a dividing line drawn in history, The people who remain on the earth start out as unbelievers. And I believe that God draws a line in the sand and says, over the next seven years, the entire human race that's left on the earth will have to decide either for the kingdom of the Antichrist, the kingdom of darkness, or you decide for the kingdom of God. Because I want every, every person, every person on planet earth to get off the fence, make your decision you got seven years to make up your mind who you're going to follow. Who's go- who are you going to follow? Like Joshua says, as for me and my house, I will follow the Lord. So over that seven years is a dividing line. What comes at the end of the seven years is uh, the separation of the sheeps and goats talked about in Matthew. Uh, it's a, a parable that, that would say that when Jesus returns... He removes everything off the earth that offends all the unbelievers, anyone left alive that followed the Antichrist, anyone who, uh, in biblical words, received the mark of the beast, but it would be to me that who have lent their assent and support to the Antichrist, they will be removed. And now for the first time, for the first time in history, the earth will be inhabited by only believers who will begin to the millennial reign of Christ. And this millennial reign of Christ is very um, uh, particular because Jesus Christ, when he came, he came as the king of the Jews, but he did not receive his kingdom. According to Daniel, it was the cutting off of the prince. But at the end of the seven years, he receives his kingdom. And in Revelation, we have the pronouncement where uh, the angels come and make the announcement to uh, to the seated Savior at the right hand of the Father, uh, stand, arise, and receive your kingdom. So he's coming back to be vindicated for the way he was treated when he left, and to show the world that the Father has given him the right to be king of Israel, and not only that, but his owner of heaven and earth. He will be King of Lord of lords and king of kings over the entire earth. And it will start with all believers. And human history will go on for another thousand years. And that, to me, is far more interesting than trying to figure out what's going to happen in the tribulation.
0: Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest is Harry M Phillips. He's in Amherst, Ohio in the US near Lake Erie. He's on the line with us live today. We'll take some calls after the news, but Harry just uh, only a few minutes out from the news. I want to ask you if we're talking about this transition between the post-tribulation wasteland which is, you know, when people think about the Battle of Armageddon and uh, the way that things will have deteriorated by the end of a tribulation, as to what things will look like, how they move into this time of a millennium. What are your thoughts here?
1: Well, yeah, that's uh, that's correct. When I think of the end of the tribulation, uh, I see a, a full, all-out war by the Antichrist against Christianity and against, uh, and th- that means those who have come to Christ during the tribulation and uh, the Jewish uh, nation in particular, and my belief is that Antichrist, uh, who is satanically empowered, is uh, fighting for his survival, and part of the understanding of the complete decimation of the earth is his fury uh, towards uh, Christianity. If he can kill every Christian on planet earth, and if he can remove every Jew off the planet Jesus will forfeit coming back, there will be nothing to come back to. So his fury and his anger and his, his uh, attack on Christianity to, to martyr and eliminate them and to eliminate the nation of the Jews is, is so horrible. And uh, his control and his maniacal work is, is so all-consuming. Um, the, the devastation there, uh, if you read the book, you'll, you'll get a real snootful of how bad things will be. So on the day of the Lord, when Jesus touches down, <clears throat> he's coming back to a, a world that is in a complete deplorable shambles uh with with all of the supernatural things that God has done to shake the kingdom of satan uh and to bring the world to a to a place of uh of just shaking um okay. Jesus steps into the picture to pick up the pieces and to to pick up the survivors who are left those who haven't been martyred and uh, to begin a wonderful kingdom and to rebuild the earth to put it back together, to make it the way he intended it to be all along. You've mentioned that Israel
0: has an important place in what's coming in the years ahead. Uh, On this program, we'll monitor rising anti-Semitism and we'll look at the nation of Israel uh, still as the central focal point of God's purposes here. Uh, What are your thoughts around the idea that Israel is a part of what's coming in biblical prophecy?
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, we have a verse of Scripture in Zephaniah 3 eight through 9 uh, that uh, in the whole land declares the Lord two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left. This third will I put in the fire, and I will refine them like silver and, and test them like gold, and they will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is our God. Now, if that doesn't sound like uh, uh, Israel being the center to have two thirds of a nation annihilated and that's a population of nine million people, to have six million people killed probably within pretty much the last three and a half years. That's uh that's as bad as anything Hitler ever did, only this will be open war. This will be declared worldwide uh, uh, You know, fury against the Jews. Uh, the Antichrist is not single-handedly doing this. He's, he's united uh, a large support of the world. Uh, those who follow him and support him, they'll all be mad at the Jews. They're all going to come after them. They're all going to try and push them off the planet. And uh, this is unbelievable, uh, the, and it's, it, it's intolerable, uh, but we see it lining up to begin to
0: happen Harry before we move on and I do want to get really into uh, the things that will look different in a millennial reign of Christ but let's take a call before we do and Cindy is waiting patiently on the line from Wangaratta in Victoria Cindy thanks so much for waiting Hello Um, What happens to our pets? We don't want them left behind. Do they go to heaven? And the people that are left behind, how do they survive with no food unless they bow to the enemy? Good thoughts. Harry, you've given this thought, no doubt. What are your uh, response for Cindy?
1: Well, as far as pets, uh, I know the Bible talks about the fact that we may come back on horses, so there might be pets in heaven. Who knows? I, uh, I could speak beyond that. Uh, I would hope so. I, uh, I think it would be a little bit boring if it was just, uh, just human beings. So we'll have to wait and see what God has, because the scriptures say that at his right hand, our
0: joys forevermore. Okay, and the other part of Cindy's question was around about uh, buying and selling, wasn't it, Cindy? Uh, yeah, to survive to eat. But the first one, um, when the people, the, the Christians, go get taken up to the heaven, do they, and do their pets go with them? Do they they don't get left behind to go through torture? Do they? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but, no, but it's an interesting question, because uh, some people who are pet lovers uh, absolutely uh, want the best for their pets. Uh, but
1: uh, your thoughts here, Harry? You know, I, I would have to uh, kind of go silent on that, because I don't think the Scriptures have a whole lot to add to that. So uh, I, I I wouldn't know how to answer that. I'm sorry, Cindy. I, uh, I would hope uh, maybe uh, some would tag along, but... Uh, Cindy, Cindy, uh, we don't we don't know anything more than Cindy, that. Cindy, let's give God the
0: benefit of the doubt on that, that he'll have our best interests at heart, and that might include our pets. But as Harry says, silence from the Bible on whether pets will be raptured at that time. But Cindy, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Harry, let's get into the idea that Christians who've been raptured will be returning with Christ at the second coming and we will look different Uh, there'll be something of a supernatural Christ likeness uh, to our appearance and the way that we are in that time give us your thoughts about how your thinking has evolved on these issues
1: well yeah Neil that's that's a real crucial point because at the rapture we receive our eternal body and at that moment we begin an internal, uh, eternal, immortal existence from that point on. We're stripped of our old sin nature, and uh, we receive a body that the scriptures say will be similar to the body that Jesus Christ had. Not that it will look like him, but it will act like his did. Now he was able to uh, uh, go through walls into locked rooms and he was able to ascend up into the uh, clouds. Uh, He was not subject to the laws of science. Uh, He could disappear from in front of people's sight as he did uh, the two men on the road to Emmaus. Uh, So we can only conjecture that we will have some supernatural abilities that will go along with those supernatural bodies. And that's important to understand because it paints a picture that when we return uh, to to something that Cindy alluded to, and that is the poverty-stricken conditions of believers on planet Earth who are left out of the closed system of commerce. I know we talk about the mark of the beast, and there uh, that can open up an entire can of worms as to what is it, but it's a closed system of commerce. Just simply think of it as that. Uh, how it'll be manifested, if it's computer, chip in the arm, hand, forehead, uh, toe, uh, who knows. But to me, it's a closed system of commerce. If you're not in it, you cannot survive. And this will be one way that the Antichrist will annihilate Christians. And so when we return The moment Jesus touches down, you don't think he doesn't have a heart for the suffering who will have barely survived. And the scriptures say that the saints will barely survive. I believe that when we touch down, it'll be like a glory cloud, a mushroom cloud in reverse, hitting the earth. And I think our job will be immediately to uh, to go to the far reaches of the earth to find those believers. We'll know where they're at. To rescue them, uh, if they need food, we'll be able to pull manna right out of the sky. If they need uh, water, we'll be able to hit a rock and then water gush forth. Uh, if the uh, you know if they're uh, sick or diseased or maimed in some way, we'll be able to lay our hands on them and i think we will bring immediate relief to these people to the people who have survived the tribulation and uh, i think that'll be our number one job will be to go and get these people get them out of prison get them wherever they're at and and bring the announcement that the day of the lord has come the king is here and now everything will be different
0: so a returning of the saints who've been raptured with Christ at the second coming to a desolate earth. And uh, you think one of the first things that will happen will be the emancipation of those Christians who have been uh, converted after the rapture and are in a process where they have been under attack from the Antichrist. Uh, the idea that there is not just a restoration that believers will be involved in when Christ returns, but an actual whole renewal—the uh, idea of the millennial reign, uh, like heaven on earth, a new Jerusalem—how do you see those things?
1: Well, the uh, uh, what's going to happen is there's there's going to be a, a slow picking up of the pieces. And if we run through some statistical numbers, if we say uh, 7.3 billion people on the planet uh, uh, minus whoever got raptured, uh, 6-7% of the population, uh, it won't be anything compared to the people who are left. And uh, let's say the Antichrist gains support of 80% of the population of the earth that will worship him and follow him, and that would leave maybe 1.4 billion people. Let's say half of those uh will not follow antichrist but they won't come to christ either but let's say half of them did uh 700 million people come to christ and if what if half of them are martyred and you end up coming into the to, to the uh, kingdom with 350 million people the the planet will be depopulated um, there won't be enough people to uh restart the the electric grid uh uh you know run manufacturing do mining uh collect uh, uh, raw resources Resources uh, to to man ships across the ocean, to fly planes, to uh, uh, you know the the whole the world will be just at at a complete standstill, and uh, from that point, society is going to be reconstructed, and. The scriptures say that as believers, we will rule and reign with Christ, and uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, where we're handed our rewards for the faithfulness that we do in this life, uh, it says some will be rulers over ten cities, some rulers over five cities, and I think that paints a picture that over the coming decades that go into the kingdom, the earth will be rebuilt, the cities will be cleaned up and uh, done away with and a whole new society will be constructed, and believers in Jesus Christ today will be the governmental arm of Jesus Christ in the future. So if you don't like your politicians because they're corrupt and they won't do the right thing or or rule in righteousness, consider the fact that as a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, at the rapture, new body, old sin nature gone, we will be incorruptible. We will not be able to be uh, uh, lobbied. Uh, we will not be able to be bought, coerced, or, or uh, sold. We will not sell out. Uh, we were going. We're going to be able to execute the righteous reign of Jesus Christ as His governmental arm over the entire earth. And we will watch as the as the uh, centuries roll by. And consider this: if you have 350 million people coming out of the tribulation, and the population doubles every hundred years. You could end up with over three hundred billion people on the planet by the end of a thousand years.
0: Okay, well and we're talking. And that's going to
1: take a lot of administration.
0: <laughs> okay, we're talking about the future of planet Earth, and you might like to join in the conversation. In fact, we're going to take some calls, and we'll try and get through these fairly quickly because I want everyone to have a say. Let's hear from Libby in Adelaide. Hi, Libby.
1: Hi. Um, I'll be very quick, just to detract slightly. From uh, the um, the end of the world and that type of thing, go further into that. Um, for those people who wind up in hell, what what purpose would there be in them burning forever and ever and ever and ever?
0: Uh, Libby, good thought. Uh, quick response. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Harry?
1: Uh, it it's sad. It's sad because there's no other place for them. Um, as believers in Jesus Christ, part of what we receive at our salvation is imputed righteousness, that God sees us uh, with a new set of eyes. He sees us as righteous made in Christ. And at the rapture, we will be made righteous in reality. And for the unsaved, there, there is no righteousness, and, and that, that cannot coexist with the person of God, uh, unrighteousness has no place with righteousness, and they, they it's just mutually exclusive, God, uh, uh, he, he won't have that, and uh, so He's made a place, and He's reserved those people there, because they would not, they would not come to Him they they would not um they just would not bow the knee the same thing that lucifer did he would not bow the knee he rebelled he did not want to be what god made him to be uh he wanted to be something else in fact he wanted the throne of god himself and uh, uh if you don't want to do things god's way and uh, the way god made you and uh, then what what other place is there uh you know this is a sad reality but uh it's the fact that God's righteousness will not exist with unrighteousness.
0: Libby, it's always easy for people to say big bad God and hell or big bad Christians thinking that's what God will do. But uh, as Harry says, uh, we all have a choice. So I guess that comes down to when we'll often talk on this program about the urgency of being able to share this proclamation of the gospel which gives people an opportunity to choose Christ or not choose Christ Libby thanks so much for your call let's take another one Avis is on the line from Perth in WA hello Avis welcome hello how are you good Avis what are your thoughts good good um just two things I thought that this and when we're raptured we would be so in awe of being in the presence of God that we wouldn't be worried about, we would only see Jesus. We wouldn't be worried about animals or anything like that because as Christians, our focus is Christ. Um, also, that's just a point. Also, um, not everybody believes this theology, and some would say that it's um, a second chance theology. Can I have a comment on that, please? Harry, your thoughts for Amos?
1: If you're talking about a second chance after a person's life is over um i i i don't i don't see that that we have an entire lifetime uh to to incorporate a heart that god has put in us that's uh has a hole and that seeks to be filled and many people choose to fill it with everything but god others see the whole and they uh come to god and God has many signposts along the way. The scriptures say the heavens declare the glory of God. And uh, the earth shouts, uh, the firmament shouts his handiwork. And uh, these are some of the early signposts. And people who who give a nod to that and say there must be something more, there must be something more, they follow the breadcrumbs. And if they keep being positive towards the things of God, more information comes to them. God will feed them. He will bring people to them, they will find Him. And they will come to Christ when their heart is, is, is uh, open and wanting to go positive towards the things of God. But if it goes negative, if it shuts off, and if it gets hardened to a point where no other information goes in, what's left? What, 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 more, what more can be done? Um, I'm sure it'll be a wake-up call to uh, stand at the Great White Throne Judgment. And to stand there and go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I think I made a mistake. When they had every opportunity, and uh, I know as humans we want to give everybody a second chance. But when God gave them every chance, and he put his son on the cross, paid for their sin, and uh, said, I already did my part. I I did the most. And for many people, it still wasn't enough. So I believe when they stand before God... I think their hearts will be hardened to the point where there is no way for a second chance. I think they've made their decision, and that decision will be sealed, the same way that the fallen angels' decisions are sealed. They can't, they can't come to salvation. They can't, they can't back up. They, they can't, they can't. Whoops, I made a mistake. Um, and I think that that's a pattern. Uh, once a decision is finaled in a person's soul, uh, they have to, all the way up to the point of death, and God will reach to them if they're even halfway open he will reach to them. Avis, thank you so much for your call.
0: Our talk back line open 1-800-316-316. And what Avis raises here, Ari, is the, the idea it's a very emotional thing to be thinking about a future that we're talking about today, a future that's outlined in biblical narrative because uh, there is a certain sense in which a separation of the Christian believer onto those things that God has promised as a a part of a beautiful future is different to those who have rejected Christ. Now, I want to ask you, Harry, is this a way of thinking about perhaps what we'd see as a Christian utopia? Because sometimes we need to hold tight to a blessed hope, a, a way that we can think about the good things of the future, because there are a variety of all sorts of utopian ideas that are now being on the rise for people who are grappling with power and of course the antichrist idea from the scriptures that'll be a very utopian type of uh vision for the future as well is it wrong for christians to be
1: thinking about a utopian future good things that god has set for us well there's two utopias i think that the scriptures talk about we definitely have the the kingdom uh one thousand more years of human history And in that thousand years of human history, you're going to have human beings who are still going to be born. They're going to marry and have children and raise families. And they're going to have old sin natures. And they're going to have to hear the gospel in a perfect society where Satan has been locked up for a thousand years. But you know, the scriptures say that even in a perfect society, there will be a rebellion at the end. Because what we'll have is we'll have people who, though they live in compliant relationship with God they follow his rules uh, still their heart uh, there will be many whose heart at the end uh, they will have been born lived in a world they'll know about Christ they the his word will dominate the earth and still they will not trust Christ as their savior and there'll be a great rebellion at the end but the second utopia is the eternal state the eternal state where God says okay this is the end of humanity no more sea and sea being a picture of humanity in the way that the Antichrist rises out of the sea. He rises out of the sea of humanity. And I believe that the no more sea is not that there won't be any more ocean. It's fact that there will be no the last human being will have been born. and that this is the end. This is the end of humanity and God will roll up the heavens and the earth, uh, roll them back like a scroll, call an end to everything, uh, convene the great White Throne judgment, settle all accounts settle all accounts with the fallen angels, settle all accounts with those who have rejected God uh, throughout their life, and then then once everything is settled, now we have a perfect situation. And for those who have never saw God create the heavens and the earth first time, we'll get to see Him create the second heaven and the second earth, and that's where I believe the new Jerusalem will come down on the new earth, and that's where I believe we will live in, in perfection forever in the new Jerusalem, on the new earth, in the new heavens. Well, it will be a wonderful thing to observe the creator God. And
0: uh, for those who think that the creation happened over billions of years, uh, we might be surprised to see just how fast God does things, uh, not with billions of years, but with the word of his lips. The idea that Jesus is not coming back to fix the world, but to establish a new one. Uh, This is uh, an interesting element you pick up on in your book, Harry, Uh, the millennial kingdom, uh, not just an extension of this world, but but establishing a new, when we talk about the new Jerusalem, is this where the new Jerusalem actually comes into uh, the idea of a connection to planet Earth?
1: Well, in the eternal state, and that's after the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ, now there will be a Jerusalem in the in the kingdom, and it's located right now uh, where it is. Uh, um, uh, but the new Jerusalem is described as a crystal city in a triangular shape, a uh, massive massive structure that will. Uh, it's it's said that it will come down out of heaven onto the new earth. Uh, but in in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, it won't be an extension of this world. So I, I don't think we're going to see an internet. I don't think we're going to see. Uh, manufacturing like we do today. I don't think we're going to see commerce like we do today. I don't think there'll be money in, in in God's kingdom. I think people will do things and make things because they enjoy making them, and uh, they'll give them away. And um, The things they need to to make the stuff that, uh, you know, somebody likes to work with, leather work, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the man who slaughters a cow uh, gives, uh, you know, his leather to uh, the, the guy that likes to make shoes, and the guy that likes to make shoes, he makes shoes for for people that need shoes no money involved here nothing it's do what you enjoy doing and it'll balance the whole society will balance out you won't need money uh that it just be a whole different world uh it, it'll be uh, an easier way of life Uh, community will be the key communities people living in community working together taking care of each other and uh, uh, enjoying one another and spending time with each other because there won't be a time clock I don't think we'll see a clock in the kingdom Uh, people won't you know have to hurry to get anything done it won't be that you have to work hard to accomplish a certain amount of work if it doesn't get done today to get done tomorrow there's not going to be a hurry to life Uh, That's what we're going to see in the kingdom. Well, life in a millennium,
0: the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, uh, the idea of celebration, of... Prospering of no more sickness. And uh, you've outlined uh, a bunch of things that will whet the appetite of listeners, no doubt, today to perhaps dig a little deeper and get some more thoughts on the way you have gleaned from the biblical account uh, the way things will look at the end times. And when we talk about the end times, uh, post-rapture, post-tribulation, even post-getting-through-the-chaos, uh, Uh, but into a thousand-year reign of Christ, which is what the Bible teaches. And for listeners who are wondering, where does the Bible teach that? I think uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 7 are a good place to start with that, Harry. Would you say, if you're talking just very quickly now, running out of time, but if you want to do your own research right now, Revelation chapter 20, the place to start?
1: Yes, I'd say so. And uh, next thing, get to Amazon and uh, get a copy of the book, When the Kingdom Comes, From Global Chaos to Eden, by Harry M. Phillips. There's so much more we didn't cover that's in the book. Uh, there's lots that we can talk about,
0: and perhaps we'll try and do that on another day as well. But is there a Harry M. Phillips website that people can access, or simply Google your name and the name of your book, Harry?
1: Mm. Uh, Actually, www.whenthekingdomcomes.com will get you to the uh, book website and a bio on me, and I blog on there every Tuesday. You can follow along and read what I write. Whenthekingdomcomes.com.
0: It's Harry M. Phillips. Harry's book is called When the Kingdom Comes, From Global Chaos to Eden, and he does explore a different dimension that you might Read uh, that uh, differs and uh, and enlarges on what a lot of other Bible teachers uh, will talk about. Harry M. Phillips. Harry, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us Aussies today on 2020.
1: Oh, thank you, Neil, and thank your audience.
0: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.